2: and gentlemen live from the west coast it's time for ring talk live world one your inside look into combat sports brought to you by the wbo the World Boxing Organization. Pedro, let me, let me tell congratulations on your long time in radio. You are your team and for your ratings, man. I was reading about that. I'm very uh, impressed with you, Pedro. And now, the host of the longest-running fight show in radio and internet history. I don't want to, to predict this fight, but, you know, I'm going to
3: promise that I, I can give a good fight, you know, so, to make people happy, and uh, I
1: just do my best. Pedro Fernandez. If I can't teach you one way, I'll teach you another, but I'm going to get the job done.
3: Dames y caballeros, bienvenidos Ladies and gentlemen, live worldwide Coming to you, a yes, again, from the multi-million dollar sports byline studios Check it, this is Ring Talk, live worldwide 35, no, no, make that 36 plus years now of knocking people out Knocking out all bums, often imitated, never duplicated Here I sit high atop my throne, who am I? My name is Pedro Fernandez. Welcome to Ring Talk Live, worldwide, the longest-running fight show in combat sports show in history. Straight up, we're going to talk boxing MMA for an hour. Of course, this is the Saturday edition, live on Sports Byline, I Radio, Sirius XM Satellite, of course, channel 211, like a plethora of another internet platform, straight up, and of course, SB Nation Sports as well. Um, we'll bring in the PhD of boxing about 20 minutes past there. I will go through the career of Jerry Corey. Jerry Corey's birthday was May 15th. Of course, Jerry Corey died, I think, in 1996 at the age of 53. And. I interviewed him a couple years before and we, we had some good times and some bad times. I mean, as far as, as watching him, him, uh, fall apart, you know, from the pugilistic dementia. That's right. He got hit too much. I mean, the guy started boxing at the age of five. He was taking shots at the age of five. You know, by the age of 12, he was boxing competitively. His father, well, that's a story all in itself. But bottom line is we're talking quarries in this first segment after the break on Ring Talk Live Worldwide. You are tuned to the longest running fight show in history, Ring Talk Live Worldwide. open phone lines around the planet you can join me if you dare 1-800-878-7529 that's 1-800-878-7529 get this the guilt-free no commitment text line 415-275-1613 the text line once again 415-275-1613 you're tuned to ring talk live on sports byline
4: Attention self-employed individuals, 1099 independent contractors, and small business owners. If you missed the first round of funding from the Coronavirus Relief Program, you now have a second chance. But do not delay, funds are limited and you need to take action right now. Thanks to new federal funding, you can receive an advance of up to $10,000 deposited directly into your bank account without ever talking to a bank. We're SBAquick.com, and we're here to help. Call 888-SBA-NOW-8 to speak with a representative and learn if you or your small business qualify for funding. There's no obligation and no banks to deal with, so don't miss this opportunity. Call 888-SBA-NOW-8 and learn instantly how much money you can receive. That's 888-SBA-NOW-8 or visit SBAquick.com. Call 888-SBA-NOW-8 and learn instantly how much money you can receive.
0: At 28, I had struggled with opiate and meth addiction for 12 years. I did and said things that the sober me never would have done. One day I realized I was not invincible. I was not exempt. And that's when a friend told me about Elite Rehab Placement. They gave me the tools I needed to get sober. And...
1: That's 800-403-5912.
3: With Pedro Fernandez. Time to talk. Great White Hope. Of course, Jerry Corey. That's what he was 53 and 9. Four draws, 32 KOs, of course. An undefeated heavyweight based in L. A. Bellflower, California, down there in L. A. The L. A. area, of course. His father was uh, Jack Quarry, a hard dude. had had like Larry Merchant said, he had hard luck tattooed on his knuckles. I mean, his his rationale for boxing was you had to work a week to make three bucks, but you can make uh, you can make three bucks in one fight. Right. You know, having one fight. So bottom line, his father said, you guys are going to box. You're going to make some money. Of course, the Corey brothers were several of them. Mike Corey, of course, the most prominent besides Jerry was a light heavyweight contender, got knocked out on a card with Jerry Corey. Of course, he was going after the light heavyweight championship held then by Bob Foster up in, I think, uh, Lake Tahoe, Nevada. Muhammad Ali was in the main event against Jerry Corey. Of course, Muhammad would cut Jerry up and stop him on cuts. The most Jerry Corey ever made in his life, the great white hope. $338,000 $338,000 for the Ali comeback, I believe, in 1970. Of course, that was in Atlanta GA when Governor Lester Maddox decided the cracker that he was, the redneck that he was, said, I'll let him fight here. That draft dodger, I'll let him fight here. Yeah, well, he needed the Negro vote. That's why he let him fight there. But at the end of the day, that was where Ali... Uh, made his comeback, and of course, that was the comeback opponent, Jerry Corey. Now, Jerry and I, we, I saw him in the gym in San Francisco a couple of different times. I remember when he was, um, I guess, I guess he was a young kid. I would had to be like 11, 11 or 12, something like that, and watching him spar with Eddie Machen. And what's funny about Eddie Machen was Eddie Machen was the guy that brought me into boxing, but Eddie Machen handed him his first loss. So this is all like, you know, coming together, right? So I'm watching him spar with Eddie Machen, and his father's in the corner, and his father, Jack Corey, I mentioned him, I'll mention him several times. Not the nicest guy in the world. Died at the age of 82, but not the nicest guy in the world. He outlived uh, jury by, I think, uh, 15 years. But at the end of the day, he was just a rough, tough dude. Didn't believe in headgears. I mean, his guys would spar without headgears. It was like riding a motorcycle without a helmet. I mean, you know, just adding to it. Anyway, there's no quit in the quarry. That's what he kept saying. There's no quitting the quarry. There's no quitting the quarry. That was always the uh, the old man's line. There's no quitting the quarry. Well, there was no quitting the quarry. And Jerry Quarry, of course, had an illustrious career. Besides that, you know, the loss to uh, Eddie Machen early on. Some people call that a learning loss, but the bottom line is, I think it was in 1966. But he came up here around 68 or 69. 68, I think I saw him spar with Machen in 68. Of course, Machen coming to the end of his career and, of course, the end of his life. Uh, circa 1970. But at the end of the day, Jerry Core was fought everybody. I mean, I can go through this Muhammad Ali, uh, Mac Foster, um, uh, Joe Frazier, Ron Lyle, Ernie Shavers, oh, Ken Norton, Lorenzo Zanone was a decent fighter. I mean, he fought, but who he end his career with? A guy named Ron Kramer. That was the saddest thing I think I've ever dealt with. Cause I'll tell you, me and Jerry were together, we're at the Forum Club, and it's probably about, I'm doing TV down there. I would figure about 1991. Not yet, not 1990, 1991. And, um, I see Jerry and say, Hey, Jerry, what's up? I grabbed my paper recorder and went over there I said, you know, let's talk and this and that. And was sort of cool is that when I was talking to him, you could hear the ice cubes circling around in his glass because he, he was moving, you know, moving around, moving the ice cubes around in his glass. And it was sort of like Nixon. Listen to the Watergate tapes. You know, Nixon, drink drunk as a skunk there in, in the Oval Office, moving around those, those ice cubes when he was on those Watergate tapes. So I, I was checking out Jerry and You know, we're back and forth and we're talking. We're, we're having a good report. So I said, let's go on tape. Let's interview something. Let's do something. Okay. So I said, Okay. So I turned on the tape recorder. Now we're in the Forum Club, and the Forum Club is a bar at the L.A. Forum. I don't know if it's still there, the Forum Club, but it was a bar. Of course, it was a place that Jerry, uh, the great Jerry Buss, who owned the L.A. Lakers, that's where he threw a lot of his big time parties. That's where I saw Viagra for the first time. These rich men were passing out this blue pill. I couldn't figure it out. I was a young dude. What's that? Are, Wait, are, what are these guys, what are they passing around? They were passing around this big blue pill. Look like a diamond. I couldn't figure it out. Then a couple years later, I realized it was Viagra. But they had rich people getting and stuff before the poor folks. Anyway, back to Jerry Quarry. So Jerry and I are at the forum, and he's had a couple of drinks. And I asked him, you know, are you drinking any alcohol? And he said, Are you drinking these days? He said, No, I'm not drinking. And he's moving the ice cubes around in the glass. I said, You know, that smells like an alcoholic beverage. I mean, that's what I said on the radio. I mean, I'm taping him, and this this went out over the radio. I said, I said, Jerry, it smells like an alcoholic beverage to me. He goes, oh, no, I'm drinking, I'm not drinking, I'm drinking. So, but I am going to come back. And I said, you're going to come back? Said, yes, I'm going to come back. So, you know, I said, I, I really don't think that's a good idea, man. I said, I, not too many people I think that, that love you and know you would think that's a good thing to do at, your, at this point in time, 1990, 1991. He said to me, no, no, I'm going to come back. So he can't get a license anywhere in the country except for Colorado. Colorado, they would let anybody have a boxing license there. Myself, Scott Cuddy, anybody can get a boxing license in that place, okay? All you do is show up and pay the money. So anyway, he shows up to fight a guy by the name of Ron Kramer. Now, you know, well, I drank take a drink of water here. Yeah. Ron is um, a formidable foe. He has a record of three wins, four losses, and one draw. In other words, he couldn't lick a stamp if you wet his tongue, right? And he beat the snot out of Jerry Quarry. I don't think... Uh, there's no quitting the quarry? Yeah, there is no quitting the quarry because Jerry Quarry took a beating that night. I watched some of the films. I had I had to turn it off after about five minutes. That's how long it took me to realize, you know what, this is really I knew it was a bad idea going in, but watching that tape, somebody sent me a VHS tape and I almost wanted to cry because here was a guy that in 1970, I guess 78 or 79, maybe about 1980, I saw him in the, in the LAX, at the LAX airport. Okay. And he was doing a time, he was doing the, uh, he was reading the New York Times. I thought that was a little impressive. You know, a boxer reading the New York Times, but he wasn't reading it. He was doing a crossword puzzle. And supposedly the crossword puzzle in the New York Times is somewhat difficult. Well, he could knock it out in 15 minutes. Jerry Corey could knock this New York Times. I mean, like, whoa, whoa, blow me away. Words, uh, had a great, I I guess he had an incredibly vast vocabulary if he could knock that crossword puzzle out or he was just damn good at crossword puzzles. At the end of the day, Jerry knocked that puzzle out and I was blown away by it. And of course, that was 1980. I think he had uh, obviously seen his better days and as a boxer, but we're in LAX and he was friendly. And I remember he took a picture. I don't know where it went now, but he took a picture with those Kodachrome 126 uh, Instamatic cameras and, and that kind of good stuff. But he was affluent. He still had a couple of bucks in the media. He wasn't poor. Um, he could talk. He could rationalize. He could go back and forth. As I said, he was doing the crossword puzzle. And then I saw him, as I said, in 91, and he had a couple of drinks, and I, he wasn't looking too good. Okay, And then, of course, in 92, he had the fight with Ron Kramer. That is, again, the saddest day, I think, one of the saddest days in boxing history. It took place in Aurora, Colorado. Jerry would last the decision. It lasts the route. I think it went an eight-round decision. But, you know, if you looked at this tape and you knew Jerry Quarry, you wanted to cry. At the end of the day, of course, Quarry would uh, pass away from pugilist Dementia, of course, taking those shots early on. Born in 1945, died in 1999 at the age of 53 years old. Good fighter, debuted in 1965, of course, lost that early decision. Had 17, fed 14 fights in a year, I think, and it's, they rushed him. There's no doubt about it. They, Jack Quarry, his father, rushed him. If ever there was a guy that maybe was uh, a bit of a... Um, Oh God, I don't want to talk. To you. Yeah, okay, okay. If ever there was a guy that was a was was just ill suited for for boxing, it was it was Jack Cory because I think that he pushed his sons a little bit too far and sometimes, you know, Jerry never said he never wanted a box. So if you never wanted a box and you're forced into boxing or compelled to box because your father wanted you or told you to or had made you I just feel that's not the real that's not the real reason to box. It just isn't. No doubt about it. If you want a box, it's gotta be in your blood, but you've got to want it. You've got to want it. Jared Corey, at the end of the day, he didn't want it. You are tuned to Ring Talk Live, Worldwide on Sports By Line. Boxing's two PhD. Socrates Palmer, after the break.
2: I don't know.
1: 426-2301. Everyone
3: says, I wish I was in your shoe, I wish I was in your shoe. The people, the hundreds of people that wish they were in my shoe don't know the tenth right. of it. If they were in my shoe, they would cry like babies. Now, more of Ring
2: Talk with Pedro Fernandez.
3: Mike Tyson, of course, last fought in 2005 against Kevin McBride. He got beaten up by Kevin McBride. I could have beat Kevin McBride that day. I'm telling you, I could have licked him like a stamp. This was the most one-dimensional, um, talentless heavyweight I've ever seen in my life. Talking about Kevin McBride. And Mike Tyson lost to him. He quit like a dog. I can hear him barking still. Of course, that was the MCI Center and the nation's capital back, I think, June 11th, 2005. That's when I... That's when I asked Layla Ali, hey, what about you fighting Dan Wolf? And she said, who? I said, you know, that's sort of like your dad saying not knowing who George Foreman was. And she didn't like that too much. Bottom line is, that was a hell of a day, of course, June 11, 2005. But that was the last time Mike Tyson was seen actually boxing in a ring. Now, I know he has a date with All Elite Wrestling or all, whatever, AEW, if I can't remember. Is it all the league? I think it's all the league. Anyway, AEW Wrestling is going to do a pay-per-view with them in a couple of weeks, but I don't expect him to be uh, doing anything outside of choreographed uh, work there. But he wants to come back at the age of 53 and fight. And, you know, to me, I don't know. I'm going to go to the boxing PhD on this one because he's the guy that really knows boxing, per se. Mr. Socrates Palmer, the man with the greatest name in the entire world, uh, welcome to the show. Good afternoon to you and... Mike Tyson wants to come back he hasn't fought since like in 15 years
5: Uh, good afternoon Pedro Uh, I what can I say Um, not that many 53 year olds look like Mike Tyson Uh, he seems to be taking care of himself these days he's in the right place Uh, I'm sure that at the end of the day it's about money and setting up his his future Uh, he's got young kids got a young wife and maybe just misses the spotlight, you know, and think about it, the world right now, it's kind of like perfect timing. I mean, the world is basically on pause and, you know, even if you're a casual boxing fan or a casual sports fan, you know, if you're a certain age, you know who Mike Tyson is and Mike Tyson hitting the myth is creating a buzz. And, you know, uh, if he's matched up the right way, why not? You know? And, uh, at the end of the day you know, it's, man, we, he we, we, has earned the right to, you know, he's earned the right to call his shots, you know, man. and I don't think Mike is going to do it in a half assed way. <laughs> it seems like he's really taking things serious, and uh, I hope it happens as long as it's, you know, within reason.
4: Yeah,
3: within reason. So what do you try to say? I mean, you, you, do you how do you get a well, work? I don't want
5: to see him against Deontay Wilder. No, but like
3: no, I, 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 but how do you, I, but how do you get him a work fight? How do you get Mike Tyson a work fight? What do you do? I mean, you, you want me, well, time out. These guys are, the, the guys that, you know, the guys that he was doing the work fights with, and I'll go back and I'll bring some names to you. James Ferguson, Mike Jamison, 90 from San Jose, California, David Jacob, who I hang with on Facebook, Mark Young, Sammy Scaff, all these guys are retired or done. Sterling Benjamin, he's done. Lorenzo Canati, he's done. And what I'm trying to tell you is, where are you going to find somebody that Mike Tyson can beat? Well, the irony, one of the guys
5: that beat him last Danny Williams is actually still fighting he he fought a few he fought a few months ago you know so right in that you know that was the day that Mike I believe injured me you know so that's right right there that's a that's a
3: storyline in itself. Um, yeah, but, well, time know. out, time out. Danny Williams still fighting. Of course, that was 2004. I know mean, he beat, beat Mike Tyson on by unanimous decision in 2004. He's not in Louis- winning in Louisville, Kentucky, <laughs> but he's 54 and 28. He's been stopped 15 times with 41 KOs. Man, is, is there ever a guy that needs to retire or what? He won yeah, that last man. fight, but guess what? The guy that he fought the last time was made Mehmed Kamalik. You know what Mehmed's record was? Ready for this one? Late on me sir. Zero and eight. Nah. Yeah. Anyway, bottom line is, let's talk about, back to Mike Tyson. He was he, listen. Mm-hmm. He was a force. On uh he's been in the WWE Hall of Fame, so he's a bit of a social media star. He has his Instagram thing. I mean, when he when he posts something every once in a while, and it's serious, I take a look at it. I mean, I do. I'll take a look at it. Um, I mean, gone. I think are the days of the pigeons. But he says he really wants to fight again. But I mean. All right, I'm going to go through the heavyweight. I'm going to go through these heavyweight ratings here. And, 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 and do you? Th- I mean, are any guys? Do you really think there are guys that he could beat in today's heavyweight top, say, top twenty? Probably uh, the thing huh? about the heavyweight division. Probably not.
5: You know, probably not. But the think about the heavyweight division. All it takes is you know the one punch. You know, now there's Mike. Back in the day, was a smallish heavyweight. Now, he would look like a cruiserweight. Like compared to a lot of these monster heavyweights, I mean, you got guys like Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder, um, uh, uh what's his name, um, Anthony Joshua. I mean, these guys are monsters. I mean, it's it's, it's it would not be a, a fair fight, you know, and and it's almost two weight classes different. So, you know, um, you know, what I would think would be a barn burner fight, and I think it can happen. <clears throat> with uh, uh, the, 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 um, the fourth the fight guy with, with ch- the, the um no, that
3: would be a great fight no 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 I'm thinking
5: Holyfield but I thought they were friends they yeah, were, no
3: no, they were no, friends? no
5: no they're, the, the, they're the, on tour together they're on they're, he's on Mike's podcast it's all lovey dovey I don't want to see them
3: you know, that's the fight that's probably going to happen. Mike Tyson and the yeah. Holyfield. Um, cause that's where the money's at. And of course, the bite fight and all that kind of good stuff. And of course, Mike would, Mike would love to come back. And I, and I think that Mike, you know, when he's, when he's straight, when he isn't crazy, when he isn't juiced up per se, um, he really takes boxing and its history seriously. I mean, he's like a boxing talk about a boxing PhD. He's like he he really yeah. knows this stuff, I mean, he can go back and quote Hank, uh, Henry Armstrong dates and all that kind of good stuff, and Jack Johnson yeah. dates and Stanley Ketchell and this. So he's really a boxing historian. So I'm not I'm not of the opinion that he would try to that that he would be inclined to come back and totally embarrass himself. If he thought Probably. there was a possibility, you know what I'm saying? I just don't think so. So mm-hmm. I think given the right opponent, and I think a Holyfield's a perfect opponent. I mean, Holyfield retired 44 and 10, of course, with a couple of draws. Mike Tyson retired 50 and, uh, 6. Of course, Tyson lost the two fights to Holyfield, the one fight to, to to Douglas, I mean, but he lost to Williams, and you know, I mean, that lost the fight to Danny Wood, to losing to Danny Williams. You should, I, I was there. That was in Louisville, Kentucky. That was a sad, sad night for boxing, man. I mean, I just went back to my <clears throat> two star hotel room and like chilled. Yeah. Was, that, was Jeff Finnick in this
5: corner in that fight?
3: I, I, am not even, I'm, I don't remember. Fenn, another, another guy that, 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 uh, that got, got screwed by the boxing establishment. Had he given, had he been given that decision against Azuma Nelson on the, I think it was the, the Ray Leonard, uh, Tommy Hearns two card in 1989. Had he been given that decision against and Azuma Zuma Nelson, they called it a draw. I think he, his career would have went differently because after that, Fennec got screwed, got screwed over. Of course, he, he, he played a blackjack. And they ended up saying, no, no, you've only got 17. And they gave it to they gave the draw to Azuma Nelson and let Azuma keep the title. And of course, Jack Jeff Fennec was never the same. Went into cocaine, went into this, went into that. But the bottom line is the boxing establishment got him. Now, <clears throat> speaking of the boxing establishment, I think they would welcome Mike Tyson's comeback with open arms.
5: Oh, I think they would too. I mean, listen, regardless, Mike Tyson is one of the biggest names in sports, period. I'm talking about Le- LeBron James, Tiger Woods, in that stratosphere. And at his peak, he's bigger than both of them put together. <laughs> you know, so, of course. And, you know, like you said, Mike is a historian. I think he knows his place in history. Um, I think he has a, a deep respect for the sport of boxing. I don't think he's going to make a fool of himself. Um, and, he's, like I said, he's got young kids. I'm sure he doesn't want. I mean, he's got that pride, that manly pride, and I don't think he's going to go out like a chump. And, you know, I, I would like to see him succeed. Just like a lot of people in or around my age group, I'm 42. Mike Tyson was a superhero. You know, he's something out of a comic book, you know, at his peak.
3: Won the title on video games. Yeah, yeah. Won the title on November twenty second, nineteen eighty six. Of course, against Trevor Rubrick Stopped him in two at the Las Vegas Hilton. I was standing in line for that fight. Never actually got in. Beat James Bone, Crusher Smith, Pinklin Thomas, Tony Tucker, Tyrell Biggs, Larry Holmes. Of course, said Larry came back for the building. I told you why Larry came back for that, right? He he was he wanted to buy this building in in eastern Pennsylvania. It cost three and a half million bucks. And he said, where am I to get three and a half million bucks? So he went to Don King. He says, I need three and a half million bucks. says, if you fight Mike Tyson, I'll give you three and a half million bucks. That's exactly how it went down.
5: Wow.
3: Okay. So course- you
5: still own that building?
3: Yeah, I don't, I'm not sure. Uh, you know what he was telling me The last time I talked to him, he told me that things weren't going all that well financially for for, for, for I, I got the, yeah, he sort of gave me an impression that things weren't going all that well for financial him financially, and of course he put a lot of his money in real estate. I don't know what that means. Anyway, Tony Tubbs, of course, Michael Spinks was the brawl. You know what do they call it? One once and for all, I called it once and I'll fall because he got hit once and it was all over, because Spinks coming in at 31-0, took on Frank Bruno, Carl the Truth Williams, took took two seconds longer to make a liar out of Carl the Truth Williams than it did to make a believer out of Michael Spinks. In other words, 93 seconds versus 91 seconds. But that was the end, per se, and that's what he told me, that basically it came to an end in 1989, that his... His zenith was in, and his peak was in. He hadn't had it since. Since he told me this in two thousand four, two thousand five. So he lost to Buster Douglas, fought Henry Tillman, made Henry uh, scared the hell out of Henry. Anyway, first round, and then he made Alex Stewart sort of uh, commit a natural act, but not a natural act, standing up in a boxing ring right before the in the national anthem. And people say, "What's that smell? What's that smell?" Anyway, Alan, Alex Stewart got knocked out in one round. Um, Donovan Ruddock, of course, he had the first fight with Razor Ruddock. It was a big controversial when referee Richard Steele made an inappropriate stop, and it wasn't an inappropriate stop of the fight. It was an inappropriate stop of the in the mechanics in which he did it. I thought it Mechanics were poor. Right. Had he had he done it uh, in another manner, I thought it would have been all right. Of course, he would come back and win a 12-round decision against Razor Ruddick and rematch. Then he would be off for four years, come back and take on Peter McNeely. Of course, that was a fight Don King and I worked on day and night. Don had me working 19, 20 hours a day. He I told you what his schedule was like, right? He would, he would get up like it, he would go to bed like at four o'clock in the morning, and get up at six thirty. Wow. No, That's no, no. Every night. And you know what? And you know, I didn't take naps. And you know what he went to bed with? Whiskey. Wow. Stick around one more segment. Of course, we're talking with the boxing's mm-hmm. 2PAC Mr. Socrates Palmer. You were tuned to Ring Talk Live worldwide, open phone lines around the planet. You can join us if you like 1 800 878 7529. That's 1 800 878 7529. Or the guilt no commitment text line 415 275 1613. This is my brother Rick Stevens. You are still a young man.
4: I love iHeartRadio. iHeartRadio, love it. Everywhere man, seriously. <laughs> Everywhere man, twenty million songs from four hundred and fifty thousand artists.
1: iHeartRadio. Reno, Chicago, Fargo, Minnesota, Buffalo, Toronto, Winslow, Sarasota
3: create my radio stations.
4: I heart, I heart, I heart. Millions of songs, thousands of stations, one free app. iHeartRadio
2: is that easy. Download the app today or listen online at iHeartRadio.com. Now more of Ring Talk with Pedro Fernandez.
6: Oh, that is awesome.
3: You know, if Socrates wasn't on the phone, I would just let the song play. I love this song. This is my man, of course, Tower of Power doing the thing. 2008, of course, This was the Great American Soul Book. You are tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide. Of course, talking boxing, MMA. Um, the USC, of course, rock and rolling And had a couple of events this week. Nothing, not a whole lot to uh, brag about, other than the fact that Justin Gates beat. Tony Ferguson for the interim lightweight championship, which just means he's lunch meat for Khabib when they rumble. Of course, Khabib being the true lightweight champion of the USC, the world of mixed martial arts, 24-0, and 28-0, 32-0. Socrates says he's 90-0. and um, At the end of the day, nobody's ever beat this guy. And you know what? He doesn't lose rounds in the gym. He trains down here in, 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 in uh, Cupertino. In, in Silicon Valley, the American Kickboxing Academy, and he doesn't lose any fight. He doesn't lose rounds in the ring. He's a monster, man. So, I mean, sort of cool. For, I mean, how can I put this? Justin Gaye's younger than Tony Ferguson, so he could probably take a little bit more than Tony was going to take. But, you know, you got a guy outweighing you by 20 pounds. That's what's wrong with MMA. Maybe, Socrates, maybe you can weigh in on this is the fact that that – that Kabiba weighed at one fifty five, and then he'll come into the octagon at one eighty the next day, or one seventy five, and then you got a hundred and eighty pound guy laying on top of you instead of a hundred and fifty five pound guy. It's a whole lot, whole, whole lot of man there.
5: Wow, that's I. I, I mean, I know that boxing obviously has that issue um, at times. Canelo's been accused of it of the uh, the rehydration uh, after the weigh in,
2: mm-hmm. but
5: yeah, I mean, I would think, I would think that an MMA would a guy actually physically leaning on you, that's got to be a bigger
3: advantage
5: than it is in boxing.
3: Yeah, well, yeah Because it's, man, that's a, that doesn't even sound fair. Anyway, uh, props to Justin Gates. Nice, young, lightweight. I wish him the best, but against Khabib, he's probably going to get wrecked. Andy Ruiz jump, joins Team Canelo. Um, Larry Merchant said that's a good thing. I just don't think that having Andy Ruiz in boxing at all is good. I just think he represents he represents the worst of boxing because You've been given an opportunity, and you pull it off, and you pull it off like, whoa, man, I wasn't supposed to be able to do this. So what do you do? You go out and make sure that you have absolutely no chance to replicate, to do that again in, in, in the rematch. I mean, it's sort of like it's sort of like putting a gun to your head and pulling the trigger.
5: Yeah, I mean, the last thing, I mean, the, the only time I could, not the only time, but probably the closest comparison to what Andrew Ruiz did was what Buster Douglas did. You know, he ate himself into, you know, a slob. And, Man. you know, then before Holyfield, you know, that was it. You know, he <laughs> threw an uppercut from Cincinnati. And
3: Holyfield saw it, you know, off the exit and clipped him. Oh, oh. You know, it was... Let me give you the Busty Douglas uh, it, itinerary for the day, okay? We're, we're Of course, I'm back in Columbus, Ohio. It's, it's 8 o'clock. The phone rings. Okay, it's John Johnson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, coach, we'll, we'll all get together. So we got, I got the limo. So anyway, I go pick up James. Of course, champion, James, James, Buster Douglas. I pick him up first, and I go pick up John Johnson. We go to the office. We're kicking it. We have breakfast. Now, this is about mm, 9 o'clock. We have breakfast. And then about 11 o'clock, we have mm, sort of lunch. And then by 2 o'clock, we have ribs. And then by five o'clock, I ain't BSing you. At five o'clock, we ate again inside the office, and then we went out to dinner at eight thirty. Wow! So you can see why he got fat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's, he, he just—I couldn't believe it, man. So I went back there to run with this dude. Okay, I didn't go back there to eat with this dude. I went back. There, I bought my running. I was ready to run, bro. And, you know, to go back to, cause, uh, the, cause the idea was I was gonna go back there and, and do some clips of him training for the, uh, for his next fight. And that was gonna be the Holyfield fight. And he was, he had no intention of training. The only one he wanted, the only place he wanted to train was at the buffet. But, um, oh, back to heavyweights. Anyway, uh, looks like Joshua and, um, and Tyson Fury, they're gonna make that fight because of the fact that the Deontay Wilder, uh, Tyson Fury, the third fight, it makes no sense for anybody. It makes dollars and cents maybe, C-E-N-T-S, for uh, for Mr. Wilder, but it doesn't for the boxing establishment. So I think they are giving give him a, a couple million bucks and he'll step aside. Is, is, is that the way you see it too? Uh, I
5: would like to see that happen. Um, there is no need for a third fight against Deontay Wilder. Most people feel that he lost the first time. Uh, at best, a draw, and he was clearly... Dismantled in the in the rematch, uh,
3: got knocked down by was, a body shot.
5: Yeah, yeah. No, he took a whooping and and then all the conspiracy theorists saying that he was hitting him,
3: you know, with uh, this is, a glove uh, that
5: was manipulated and all. It's, yeah, the nut jobs like Steve Cunningham.
3: There were only two guys I was able to drop with body shots in my entire life in the in in fights, and and I remember both of them, and I remember walking away saying, "Man, I have just conquered you." You know, I mean that's just—I mean—as you have, when you knock somebody down with a body shot, you have totally—you have—you have imposed your will beyond the limits, okay? And that's the way that went down. And, and I just, anyway, that's just the way I see things. Yeah, I,
5: it makes a lot of sense. You know, if, uh, Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua is a now, as, you know, during normal circumstances, we would have thought everyone is saying it's going to be a, a ninety thousand, hundred thousand. Uh, attendance gate can that happen now? No, it'll be, unusual it'll, time it'll, you know,
3: it'll, that we're in. There'll be nine people at the fight. The, the officials. Bottom line, yeah, that's just the way it is. Hey, it's going to be pay per view. Is going to be big. The USc did seven hundred thousand homes on pay per view with that first card they asked last week with Justin the USC two forty nine, of course. And the USc you know why the USC needs to put on these cards, don't you? They just took out a loan for $260 million, two hundred sixty million dollars. They're two point six billion dollars in debt. Didn't you know that. Well, you know, there's certain things, you, and there are certain things you do learn on this show. I doesn't talk about that. Uh, anyway, Dominican Boxing uh, Commissioner Franklin Nuñez is in the hospital with uh, the uh, coronavirus. We wish him the best. Of course, a boxing commission, commissioner mm. since 2008. I think I remember him being a boxing writer as well. But we wish him the yeah, best. Yeah, yes,
5: he had a, a, a talk. He was he was a um, like a sports anchor. I want to. I, I remember him, and I met him a couple of times. So wish him. Uh, Okay, now, now speaking
3: of the coronavirus, any bad news on the coronavirus from on your end to this week?
5: Well, um things seem to be getting better in New York. Uh my brother who's a nurse, he mm-hmm. told me that things have gotten very slow in terms of he had a he had a day that, he, that there wasn't there were not even any patients into the uh into the ER. So it seems like things are getting better. Um you know, people, for the most part, are heating to, to social distancing. However, the weather is getting warm. This is a beautiful weekend. I was outside, um, and the people in the park. You know, the, the, it's gonna, the, the, the weather is going to really uh, play a key part in how people behave. Uh, the governor is talking about uh, maintaining the shutdown of the state until possibly June. It's going to be a challenge in wills because people people are going to have to pay. You know, it's people are going to pay the price financially. It's something there has to be a balance somewhere, and I think with the way, in my opinion, I'm not saying it's the way, but you're going to do what's best for you. If you feel that you're healthy to go out and resume your normal life, you're going to do so. If not, then stay home. I don't think anyone's going to force you out of your home. But it has to be some sort of balance and rationale because it's we, we, there are 20 million people unemployed as per the numbers.
3: True. But but when you versus. So, we, so are you trying to tell me that five percent of the population were willing to sacrifice them in a herd mentality? Let the five percent die. Let people in your father's age age group die because of the fact that we want to move on with the economy. I mean, this is a this is a country in which we just gave zillions, trillions of dollars of tax cuts to corporations and rich people.
5: No, no. I listen. Like I said, whatever you feel is best for you. If you're if you're in good health, and most people, m- most normal people, you go out of your house when you need to, whether it be to work, grocery store, the bank, whatnot. Very few people, you know, just go out just to hang out in the side of the street. You know, and you know, at least adults-wise,
3: you know. <laughs> okay. <it's- laughs> Back to boxing, Dimitri Bivol. Says he's willing to drop down to 168, of course, seventy. you know, 11 KLCWB WB light heavyweight champion for over two and a half years now, six successful defenses. Um, is, is he, do, are people avoiding him? Is that why he's got to move down in weight? Is that how he can't, I mean, he's got 17 fights, got the title, and I can't, I don't hear anybody calling him out. He's
5: not a, the most exciting fighter to watch. Um, he he's, He's probably he's like one of those guys that just every does everything good, nothing great. Um, him coming down at 168 pounds, I can only see him being weaker. You know, I can't, wh- why would he do that? Unless he's already in the process of doing it now. Um, but I, I don't think it makes any sense. You know, I'm sure that he wants to get paid the big bucks. 168, uh, Canelo's there. Um, who else? You know, is it worth? weakening yourself, I, I would just stay at light heavyweight and just keep doing my thing. Be the new Virgil Hill or something.
3: You know? Yeah, but Virgil Hill didn't make any money until he fought Tommy Hearns and he only got like one giant payday. You know what I'm trying to say? So that was a long time fighting in yeah. Minot, North Dakota against no names. I know I went up there and televised a couple of those events, but yeah, I mean, the Virgil Hill route, it, it just didn't, it wasn't that profitable. Yeah, I, I mean, the
5: money's different, and and eventually, you know, the big fight will come for him but i mean at light heavyweight anyway, who who else would, you know the be, uh better be if that's the fight okay fight.
3: All right. You know, um, My, uh, Barry, Eddie Hearn wants to part of this Mike Tyson thing. Top, to, top rank Bob Aaron wants a piece of this Mike Tyson thing. Oh, and it looks like the boxing's coming back to your, the, the Dominican Republic. are going to have a card, I think, on May the 30th. I want to wish them the very best of luck there and hope that they do in, 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 invoke some type of social distancing. Distancing. The last thing we want is people going to an event and getting sick. So hopefully every, you know, everybody's wearing masks out here. Are they wearing masks back there too?
5: Oh, yeah, even if you most of the stores they'll have the sign if you don't have a mask, you cannot get in uh to take the subways uh you have to wear a mask um yeah most most people are wearing masks um The ones that you don't see are the ones that are like teenagers and things like that and but you know I would say ninety percent of people that you see in the street there have a mask of some sort.
3: You know, I, I, my homeless guy. I don't know if you saw that, and but, but I had a, me and Scott Cuddy here. We sort of fed a homeless guy for a while, about eight months around here, around the studio. He was living on Vallejo Street. And last week I saw him last Thursday, and I, I called a friend of mine right afterwards, and I told her. I said, you know, just the, the, the life is draining out of him. He, he's dying, this and that. And I remember saying to him half half heartedly, "Hey, do you want me to call 911?" 'Cause he was looking bad and he told me he didn't even and he didn't answer, didn't answer yes or no. So I just left his food and drove away. Well, two days later, um the Central Station tells me that, you know, they picked up a dead body on Vallejo Street, and obviously <clears throat> that's not good news. But what I'm trying to tell you is that <sighs> you can sense life. You you can sense life and you can sense death. As a cop, I sensed death when, when of course that guy had four holes in him, he said to me you know, I won't say what the word he used. But please tell my kids I love them. And of course, when uh, when Rico Velasquez was in that boxing ring down there in eighty eight or eighty nine, when I told Hank Lesbrew, after you've been knocked down six times, stop the fight. You're going to kill him. He, he's die. He's going to. He's going to die. And then forty five seconds later, Rico Velasquez was dead. So what I'm trying to tell you is, uh, I can sort of sense when the Grim Reaper is in the room, and and death is death is unforgiving. It, it, it just is. And I think I had to get that off my chest. Bottom line is, at the end of the day. Holmes, I used to call him Holmes. That's all I call him. Hey, Holmes! And we fed him, man, so we wish him the best. And I had to get that in before I let you go. Anyway, Socrates, have a great week. Kiss the wife. Kiss the kid. We'll talk soon.
5: Thank you, brother. Appreciate it.
3: Oh, have the yes. rest of your weekend. The great Socrates Palmer on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network. We'll wrap things up after the break here on Ring Talk Live Worldwide.
1: Call Quit Drugs 321 now at 800-338-6906. 800-338-6906. That's 800-338-6906. Paid for by the Detox and Treatment Helpline. Imagine this is your money and someone wants to take it from you.
0: Who is it? The IRS. They want your money. And guess what? They can legally take it. All of it if they want. Remember, they sent you that letter that said, Hey, you owe us a bunch of cash and we're going to take it from you. So what do you do?
1: 889 1749 That's eight hundred nine three two seventeen forty nine.
3: 1749 Now more of Ring Talk with Pedro Fernandez. Show and tell—that's what the USC is doing. They've got these shows going in in Jacksonville, Florida. They're coming out of the USC training center. Whatever they're doing. Bottom line is they're putting on fights. Of course, Justin Gates defeating Tony Ferguson last week, and he's at USC two forty-nine. But the real fight on the card—I <laughs> got to laugh about this—was Francis Ngannou. I told you he was going to stretch this guy. I told you twenty seconds. He knocked this guy Jezerano uh, Rosenstruck. He knocked him out in 20 seconds. I told you that was like lunch meat. If you ever wanted to bet on a fight, that was a fight to bet on. Of course, UFC rock and rolling tonight on ESPN. Alistair Overeem. I mean, Alistair Overeem. One time he tested positive for steroids. so I call him Overoid. but uh, I take that back maybe more than once. But Alistair Overeem is going to be in the main event, <clears throat> a heavyweight main event against, main event against Walt Harris. Uh, Claudia Gadelha. Is in a women's strawway battle. It'll be the co-feature against Angela Hill. Uh, Edson Barbosa's on the card. Outside of that, I'm not looking at a bunch of names here that I know. But, of course, the is trying to reinvent itself because it needs to reinvent itself, much like the world of professional wrestling, which I'll be delving into tomorrow in depth. I will bring in Hannibal. Most of you people don't know who Hannibal is. I take that back. A lot of you might know who Hannibal is. Of course, he's rocking and rolling on YouTube. He's got one of the biggest YouTube channels going. But he talks pro wrestling, a little boxing, and some MMA as well. And Hannibal will be a major part of hour number two tomorrow on the Sunday edition of Ring Talk Live. We're all right here on the Sports Byline Broadcast now. of course, Sunday, 11 a.m. Pacific time, 2 p.m. Eastern time, 8 o'clock for my folks and Eloy and the gang down there in, in Honolulu, Hawaii. But the bottom line is we roll at 11 a.m. Pacific time tomorrow. Two hours of Ring Talk Live, World Out, Sports now, Byline, iHeartRadio, of course, uh, Sirius XM Satellite Radio Channel 211, and a plethora of other internet platforms. Bottom line is we are rocking and rolling on all kinds of platforms. A new one, I'll break it this week, but we've got things. It's called Anchor.com, so we're doing podcasts on Anchor.com as well. So We've got all kinds of things going on. My great producer, Scott Cuddy, puts it together for me. I want to thank him. Day in and day out, he's been here for me for like 13 years. What more can I say? At the end of the day, I thank you so much for tuning in. For without ring talk, uh, for without ring talk listeners, there wouldn't be any ring talk. Straight up, I thank you so much from the bottom of my heart because you could be doing a million things right now. And you listen to the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network, I thank you from the bottom of my heart. My name is Pedro Fernandez. Don't forget, the Sunday Nation, 11 a.m. Pacific time, right here on Sports Byline.